0: All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting. What a wild week we have coming up in week 15 of the NFL, and that's what we're going to be talking about almost exclusively for the next couple of weeks as the NFL playoffs really head into the home stretch here. Everyone's got positions, and we're kind of figuring everything out. Look, the NFL has nearly half of their teams with six or seven wins. This is a wild year. I've mentioned it many times before. Guys, uh, you know, you look at the crazy year that we're having and you just jump on board and say, okay, you know what? We can still make money. We can still make money. And I think it showed last week where the favorites went 11-2 against the spread. The overs went 9-3-1. and Sportsbook had their worst Sunday of the season. And the public won big but that is an ominous tone. That's an ominous tone for this week because those sports books, they usually don't do two bad weeks back-to-back. Guys, if you want to get in touch with us, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N, and that's hashtag S-G-N-855, the number four, G-A-R-T-E-N also, and SportsGarden.com goes and gets you that. Look, Listen, we also have a show on every Sunday morning, 11 to 1. That's on national syndicated radio, so you guys go check that out. It's called Wanna Bet Weekend Edition. So that's what we're doing around here, and we want you guys to be tuned into everything that's going on. You know, we look at, um, you know, the the season that we're having, and we look at the season that, uh, you know, as sports bettors we're kind of having... And I think that people start to get nervous about this time. they like, saying, Oh, the season's almost over. But the reality is it's not look, we've had 14 weeks in the books, right now we have a 17 week season. So we still have week 15, 16, 17, obviously, and 18 of the regular season. That's four weeks. Then, then you have the wild card round. That's five weeks. Then you have the divisional round. That's six weeks. Then you have the championships that there's still eight weeks left to make money. So, While it seems like you're kind of coming to the end here, you know, there is still one-third of the season, or or, more than one-third of the season, almost half of the year, really to go. If you're talking about how big the season is, we have plenty of time to make money. So let's get into it. Look, we have a Thursday night game this week. We also have a couple of weekend games where it's an unusual weekend. We have Saturday games, two Saturday games, and probably the best game of the week is on Saturday. But Thursday might have the best game of the week as well. So we got a couple of big time games, lots of division matchups. Let's get into it. Well, you got Kansas City traveling on the road against the Chargers. The line sitting there at three. This is Patrick Mahomes. This is Justin Herbert. These are two of the top five passers in terms of yardage in the league. This is going to be billed as an explosive fest. This is going to be billed as, oh, here we go. Watch the fireworks as both of these big time quarterbacks, the future of this league, go up and down the field. And I'm here to tell you, I got a lot to say that that's not going to happen. I have a lot to say that, yes, the Chargers won 30 to 24 in week three. I get it. I don't know if that's going to happen again. Look, the Chiefs have allowed 17 points or less for the first six games during this uh, six-game winning streak. That's enormous. This is a Chiefs team that was giving up nearly 30 points a game when the Chargers saw them. 30 points a game in their first seven games. Since that point That is 11 points per game since that point. So the Chiefs defense has really turned things on and really turned it around. They have only allowed 20 points once since week six. And you start to look at that Chiefs defense. Maybe there's not that huge name. Maybe there's not that Micah Parsons out there or that Roquan Smith or that TJ Watt. Maybe they don't have that guy, but they have a collection of guys that all do their job really well. You look at Slater being out for the Chargers, I think this is an important piece as well. Slater out for the Chargers, he's a big-time rookie. This guy has been protecting Justin Herbert. Now, you you know, you go out there and you go, okay, now you got to face this tremendous defense over the last six weeks. They've been tremendous, and we got to do it at less than full strength. Kansas City's 4-0 against the Spurs over the last four games as well, and they were a just, you might as well just light your money on fire if you were betting Kansas City for the last year and a half. But all of a sudden, they've turned that around in the last month. Now, the Chargers, look, the Chargers average 26 points per game or more than that. It's a little bit more than that. And they are also the only team in the league that also allows more than 26 points per game. So... This is a Chargers team that I think you have to rely upon the defense. But Patrick Mahomes doesn't look great right now. And you go, wait a minute, look at what he did to, uh, you know, the Raiders. And then, well, you know, the five touchdowns against the Raiders. Yeah, okay. You know what? Patrick Mahomes can crush the Raiders. And that's what Patrick Mahomes has been doing. Patrick Mahomes has been going out there and having field days against the Raiders. But let's really look at who Patrick Mahomes is this year. Look, Patrick Mahomes, 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And you go, okay, it's not a bad year by any stretch. People are even talking about an MVP type of season. I don't think that that's happening. Um, but he's got 27 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, 3,600 yards. But against Las Vegas, guys, he's got seven touchdowns against them with no interceptions. So he's got seven touchdowns, zero interceptions against against the Las Vegas Raiders. Against the other Well, let's see, they played uh, 13 games. So against the 11, 11 teams, 11 teams he's played against, 20 and 12. Well, 20 and 12 is not that impressive. Now, you can't take away the fact that he beats up on the Raiders, okay, uh, but it is something to pay attention to. I think that this Chargers defense can be effective, and I'm pretty sure that I do believe in this Kansas City defense to a point. I think it's going to be a slower pace game than I see and I see that total just rising and rising and rising. People are going in on it. And we have to know about public favorites. They love public favorites. They love overs, 9 and 3 or 9 3 and 1 or 10 and 2 depending on the spread. I know people are going to be writing me and say, "Hey, it was it was a winner." All right, so we'll say 10-2 and to the over last week. That's a number. Everyone's going to be cautious of the underdogs. Don't forget the unders this week as well. All right, let's talk about those Raiders. Raiders in Cleveland, look, I wish I could speak intelligently about this game, but the simple fact is I cannot. I can't speak intelligently, intelligently about this game because there's a million people on the COVID list. I mean, the COVID list has gone absolutely crazy, including Baker Mayfield. So it's... Hard for me, and Kevin Stavansky, it's hard for me to con- have a conversation about this game on Saturday and believe that Cleveland's going to be healthy and believe that Cleveland's going to be fully in there. So let's just talk about the Raiders. Look, the Raiders didn't win in Cleveland last year. Um, they've had five losses in their last six games. They're 1-5 in five against the spread over those six games. And they've scored more than 16 points just once in their last six games. Brown's defense has only given up more than 16 once in their last, or I'm sorry, twice in their last seven games. You know, this is a Raiders team that is the worst team in the league on third down conversion rate, and I think that that comes back to haunt them. I can't make an accurate prediction on this game strictly for the reality that, guys, at the end of the day, what we are looking at here is COVID is just running rampant, we have to find out about that. All right, the other Saturday night game, by the way, programming note, next week, I'm going to have a, a, a Indianapolis Colts podcast that I have followed for a little while. He's going to join the show after the Colts game, so I want to get his opinion on where the Colts sit and how they perform against New England, and we'll get into that so you guys can find that here. Um, I'll be putting that up next Sunday so you guys could find that after the game. New England and Indianapolis, look, it's the top seed in the AFC, and they're the underdog. I mean, that's just reality. Belichick is a perfect 9-0 against the Colts. Bill admitted this week in a weird situation, he admitted that he's been scouting the hard knock show that's in season. Um, Bill will do everything and he's got advanced scouts watching the show. I mean, uh, can I get a job like that? The Colts are off of a bye week. New England, look, they've won seven in a row. They have seven covers in a row. They have won eight straight in this series. Belichick owns them. And what Belichick does really well is Belichick absolutely takes away the best thing that you do. What is the best thing that they do? Jonathan Taylor. The Colts are 7-0 when they rush for 125 yards or more in a game, and 0-6 when they rush for less than 125. Okay, so the formula is accurate. But I look back to that Tampa Bay game and I think that that Tampa Bay game tells us everything. The Colts believed, you know what, we're going up against the best rush defense, uh, running defense in the NFL. We shouldn't try to rush the ball today, and they just didn't even try. And Jonathan Taylor had eight carries uh, basically going into the fourth quarter. The they did not even try. They went through short passing patterns. They went to screen plays. They they did everything but actually run the ball. I and, and listen, they hung with Tampa Bay. They lost, but they won with them. I wonder if this is a game where we see a similar game plan. I wonder if it's a similar game plan here where we turn around and we say, yeah, okay, you know what? There it is. You know, they're going to go short. They're not going to attempt to get Jonathan Taylor going. I think it would be a mistake. And so do a lot of the Colts people that were asking Frank Reich, but he was convicted uh, to that. Look, uh, he's uh, a full conviction on it. I'm going to do it. And he basically was saying, listen, I'll do it again. Well, here's the spot to do it again. Carolina-Buffalo on Sunday. Let's move it over to Sunday, the early games. Bills have lost four of the last six. They are now a double-digit favorite over Carolina. The Panthers, they have a minus-eight turnover ratio. They can't run the ball. Chubalbert, it just looks uh, lost out there. Cam Newton was benched during the game for Walker. Then they re-benched him, and they've been shuffling things around. Here's a game with the Buffalo defense that is still top five in the league. The Buffalo defense that has been, you know, abused up front on the running game. This is a get right game for them. You know, everything is at home for them. Everyone's selling. I don't know if I can lay double digits in an NFL game, especially with a team that's lost four of the last six and has looked this bad. But something clicked in the second half there. Something defensively clicked where they said, you know, we're, we're going to buckle down. We're going to stop Leonard Fournette. And something offensively clicked. Um, Josh Allen has the type of talent in this league to really just say, I I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to be the guy I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be the guy and I'm just going to take this game over. And he's done that. And he's got the ability to do it. I tend to think Josh Allen has a massive game. This defense has a massive game. I still hesitate laying uh, more than double digits in a spot like this, Arizona, Detroit, the Cardinals are a 14 point favorite, two touchdown favorite on the road, on a short week, coming off of a rival in a game that they lost. The Lions are 1-5 and five at home, but three of their losses, eight points or less. I look at this Lions team and I go, all right, so you got massive emotion in one regard, right? You were massively emotional. Oh, here we go. We won that first game and I thought it would come back to hurt them. I thought that that would be a bad situation. The big time emotion of winning that game and then trying to come back next week. All right. But now you had a week to kind of calm down again. And now you're at home and you want to go, all right, look, we we want to play a little bit closer. And they've done that. The Cardinals are going to be hungry for blood. The Cardinals are going to be out for it. The Cardinals are going to want to, you know, go absolutely crazy here. The Cardinals are going to be out to destroy the Lions, but the Lions have hung tough, and I think they could probably hang tough here again. Jets, Miami. Miami's now up to an eight and a half point favorite. And the reality here is that the New York Jets are an absolute mess and Miami and Miami fans are feeling good. You know, we talked about the Raiders and the Raider fans feel like, ah, the season's over. Well, Miami's uh, basically got the same record as them and Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh fan base uh, mailed this in long ago. And Miami fan base is going, hey, we got a shot here. Why? Because they feel enthusiastic. This team can run the ball. They can run the ball effectively and Tua is playing well and the defense is playing outstanding. The Dolphins have won five games in a row. Tua... Who, oh, he's dead and buried. Look, we always knew he had plenty of talent. He's got a hundred plus passer rating with just one interception through the last three starts. That's massive. You know, you look at Miami 4 0 against the spread the last four home games. They like playing at home. They're also 6 0 against the spread the last six games following a bye. They got some rest, got some things right. And you start to look at who the Jets are. The Jets were thought to have some talent on defense. Well, you know what? They've given up 30-plus points in each of the last two losses, and you can run on this team. I'll mention that again because I think Miles Gaskins has a big day. The Jets haven't won in Miami since 2015. The Jets are also 7-18 and won against the spread the last 26 games within the division. The Jets are up against it. But the biggest thing here, forget about the stats and the trends and all that, is this. Bill Belichick frustrated Zach Wilson and made him, uh, you know, so much so that he so was seeing ghosts. Remember, the San Donald was seeing ghosts. Yeah, Zach Wilson just looked awful against Belichick, and no big deal. Everybody looks awful against Belichick. But Brian Flores is the kind of guy that was running those defenses that make people look crazy, make make defenses see ghosts. Um, you know, this defense by Brian Flores should be fantastic. I don't see the Dolphins, who are allowing about 11 points per game over the last month or so. I don't see the Dolphins allowing much here, and the Dolphins should be able to get some offense working. I like the Dolphins. I don't know if I'm laying the 8.5, but I'll tell you what. I do like them to win. Dallas and the Giants, another divisional game. A slightly inflated line here. I'm surprised it's double digits. The Cowboys, they have won 9 in the last 10 meetings, so they do have the Giants number. And Dallas is 6-1 and against the spread in the last 7 road games, so they travel well. Um, Dallas is tied for the worst third-down conversion rate in the league. That is a big problem. Now the Giants defense is susceptible to big plays and they could uh, really be kind of abused here. But uh, Dak Prescott doesn't look healthy. Ezekiel Elliott certainly isn't healthy. Tony Pollard is out of this game. And Dallas is 29-0 in row. and oh, when they rush to the ball more than they throw. But they're going to have to throw the ball here. Saquon Barkley may not be healthy, but Galladay and Tony might be back. I don't like the Giants offense. I don't like the Giants defense. But something tells me they play well. I'm not laying this with Dallas. I just can't advocate for taking the Giants. Washington, Philly, here's a, a matchup of divisional rivals where one team has to do the thing that they don't do well and the other team can be exposed by that. And let me explain what's going on. First of all, Taylor Heineke and Jalen Hurts, both of them are expected to play. With a knee and an ankle injury, that was up in, in doubt, right? Philly's coming off of a bye week. The Eagles are bad against divisional opponents. They're 0-2. The Eagles have been bad at home. They're 1-4. The Eagles have the third fewest passing yards in the NFL this year. All right, so they want to run the ball all day. But the way to beat Washington, guys, is against the third worst passing defense in the NFL. You got to go to the air to beat Washington. Jalen Hurts, you got to go to the air to beat him. You can't just run all day. Washington, though, has nine players on the COVID list. That's something to watch out for. Speaking about running or lack thereof, Najee Harris is the engine that gets things going in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's receiving two points at home against Tennessee. That is a small spread, but Pittsburgh, look, they got to get their running game going. Here's the problem Titans have the second ranked run defense in the NFL. Tomlin has won the last three against the Titans, right? Um, and you look at the Titans haven't scored more than two touchdowns in a game since week nine. Ryan Tannehill has four touchdowns since Derrick Henry went on IR, which seems like uh, like about Halloween, right? And TJ Watt leads the NFL with 16 sacks. I think Pittsburgh wins this game if they win this game. On I mean, an ugly, this could be like a nine-three type of game if they win the game. If Tennessee could open it up a little and, and Ryan Tannehill could kind of fix what he's been just making big-time mistakes, this could get interesting. I look at it and I go, man, you know, if Tennessee's run defense, can Stuck, Najee Harris, I think that this is going to be, you know, first team to literally first team to 17 might win this game. I'm staring at the under there. Houston, Jacksonville, somehow or another, the Urban Myers are a three-point favorite. This is the number one pick in the NFL draft ball. That's all we're looking at here. And Houston did win for the first time in week one, but it was a different team. Davis Mills, by the way, comes into Seattle, and he's had a couple of nice drives, 331 yards against Seattle. Houston knows that they can't run the ball. Houston knows that Jacksonville can defend the run. I think Davis Mills has a good day again. I think he's going to go to the air early and often. But the thing with this game is you cannot tell me that you know any reporter in Jacksonville knows, and any player knows exactly what's going on in that locker room, because Urban Meyer's fighting with assistants, and then he comes out, and he says, well, that's laughable, and then Marvin Jones comes out, and it was reported, well, he got to be stormed out of a meeting, and then he got to be pulled back, and they ask him, and they kind of blow that off, and then James Robinson was sat down officially because he was injured, then he comes on TV and says, I wasn't injured, and then Trevor Lawrence goes, well, he's got to be in there, I don't know why they benched him, well, oh, wait a minute, it was a benching, I mean, it's a mess, Urban Myers created an absolute mess, why? Because Urban Meyer doesn't respect people. Urban Meyer doesn't respect his assistants. Urban Meyer doesn't respect his starting running back. Urban Meyer doesn't respect his team leader, Marvin Jones. Urban Meyer doesn't respect Trevor Lawrence. And Urban Meyer doesn't respect his wife. So why are we all that shocked, okay? This is a bad game to go on because Jacksonville has the more talented team. And Jacksonville is at home, and they certainly can win this game. But I don't know what's going on. I think Urban Meyer might have just mailed it in. Urban Meyer seems like the guy that has already accepted a job somewhere else. He's just kind of playing out the two weeks. That's what it looks like to me. Cincinnati Denver one of the better games on the board Cincinnati look they have a top five run defense as a matter of fact it's number four in the NFL at 93 rushing yards per game the Broncos are two and five when they rush for less than 120 we've watched Javante Williams we've watched Melvin Gordon they need to run the ball I know that they're signing all their wide receivers to long term extensions and Sutton has disappeared ever since Judy came back and Judy's only a short passing threat and Hinton and Patrick are good players but they're not explosive and Noah Fant can't get the ball for some reason and And as much as I like Teddy Dugloves, I don't know if he deserves to be a favorite in this spot. Cincinnati is going to shut down this running game. And if Cincinnati shuts down the running game, Teddy Bridgewater has to win it. Denver's defense is a lot better than we give him credit for. And Teddy Bridgewater, where I read his line, interception, 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 interception. He's got a bunch in a row. Interceptions with Patrick Sertain looking him in the face. Atlanta Falcons at Niners. Niners are an eight and a half point favorite here. Eli Mitchell could be back. We watched Debo be almost unstoppable and unguardable. George Kittle looks really good. Garoppolo looks really good. And this Falcons team just can't defend. I mean, that's just the reality of it. The Niners, they won four of the last five. People are talking about them. They're getting back into this thing. All of a sudden, they're interesting. But the Niners defense has their problems. You can throw on them. The thing is, can Matt Ryan find anybody to throw on? Well, he might not have to, because Cordell Patterson and Mike Davis can have some success, specifically Patterson, who I have a a lot of confidence in, can have success against this San Fran defense. The San Fran defense has talented players, but they have big, giant holes. I think San Francisco wins the game. I am real hesitant to lay this big of a number. Seattle, the Rams. Rams are coming off a big Monday night in front of everybody. Huge, giant win that they needed. They needed for confidence. Matthew Stafford needed for confidence. He's tired of hearing us uh, say, you know what? You can't beat big teams. Can't beat good teams. He ended the streak. He's never beaten a team five games over five hundred. Throw that in the garbage. Uh, He was 7 in like 90 against teams with a winning record. Throw that in the garbage. Here he goes. The Rams are working on a short week, though, and it was an emotional win. And the Rams, even in a game where Seattle didn't have their weapons fully intact, the Rams barely won the first time this year. They won by nine. Now, Los Angeles has uh, you know, won four of the last five against Seattle, but a lot of them have been close. Seattle's offense, are they fixed? Look, Penny looked fantastic, and this guy is a former top-rated draft pick, but the offense... You know, they've hit 30 points the last two weeks with Russell Wilson. It works with Russell Wilson playing at an elite level, and you need Russell to play at that elite level. He wasn't for a while. I'm not convinced that games against, uh, you know, San Francisco and Houston all of a sudden cure all his ailments, but I don't know if I could say that it didn't either. I've seen crazy things from star players, and Russell Wilson is certainly that. Packers, Ravens, we don't know about Jackson. We don't know about Rodgers. They're both expected to play, but both of them are dealing with injuries that are, it's going to bother their ability to run around. And as much as Lamar Jackson is that running guy, I mean, look, he that's what he's doing. He runs first. Aaron Rodgers is a guy that needs his mobility as well. He needs to move around in the pocket. That's what he does. The Ravens over their past five games, they are averaging just 16 points per game. That is a problem. The Packers offense, oh, 37 points per game over the last three weeks. Here's the thing, though. The Ravens like to blitz, okay, which creates one-on-one opportunities for Rodgers, who's going up against a secondary with uh, Peters and without Humphrey. That is a really serious problem when you're talking about how can the Raiders defend this. But on the flip side of that, Jackson is almost an undefendable guy. Jackson has never lost to an NFC team. He's 12-0 in his career. And you could throw that away as a fluke stat, but I don't. And here's what I think. I think Jackson's hard to prepare for if you don't see him all the time. I think Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh can kind of figure it out, kind of slow him down a little bit. But these other teams, they don't realize how big he is, how solid he is, how strong he is, how quick he is, how, how elusive he is. They don't realize who Lamar Jackson is. You can't get that while watching it on tape. So I think Lamar Jackson is kind of similar to getting ready to go play Army, Navy, or the Air Force, right? The triple option, that weird running attack. You have a better team than them, sure, but they're beating you. Why? Because it's just a confusing situation. You got to stay with the quarterback. You got to flip it out. It's a confusing situation. Jackson can have success because of the confusion, and that's why he's had success, in my opinion, with NFC teams. New Orleans, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is an 11-point favorite in a divisional matchup in prime time in a spot where Tom Brady just doesn't do good when he's with Tampa against the Saints. Uh, look, he's 21-5 and five against everyone else and 0-3 and against the Saints. It's not just that. Look, Brady, not only is he 0-3, he's committed eight turnovers in those three games. And New Orleans, it's not just Brady. Look, the Saints have averaged 36 points in those losses. Um, you look at this and you just say, I don't know why, but Sean Payton seems to have Tom Brady's number there since he's moved south. Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara, here's the thing. They ro- rolled up almost 200 yards last week. They are going to have to be the running duel, running, running, running. But we already know about the Buccaneers. You cannot run on this team. So much so that Jonathan Taylor was afraid to run on this team. Frank Reich said, I, I got the best running back in the league, and I'm afraid. Finally, the Monday night game, Minnesota, Chicago. Minnesota is giving four in a divisional matchup on the road in prime time. Ding, ding, ding. That's a handicapper's paradise if you really look at it. And Kirk Cousins, not only is he bad in prime time, he's also one in five as a starter against the Bears since coming to Minnesota. The problem with this is the Bears cannot stop the run and really neither can Minnesota. So Dalvin Cook, dial him up. David Montgomery, dial him up. If you're a fantasy fan, the Vikings offense has averaged 30 points per game, but the Bears have averaged 28 points per game. Um, over the last three games, so Justin Fields makes it happen. When you have defenses that are missing big-time names like Danil Hunter, Everson Griffin, uh, Eric Kendricks is banged up, Anthony Barr is banged up, Khalil Mack is out for the season, Roquan Smith is banged up, Hakeem Hicks is banged up, Eddie Jackson is banged up, uh, Jerron is banged up. You look at the the number of injuries that both of these squads have on defense And I'm stunned that the total is sitting at such a low number where it really is. You know, you start to kind of play the game within the game here. And the game within the game here tells you, wait a minute. You know, why is this number low? Why is it falling? All right, maybe they're going with the running attack. So many problems on defense for both teams. It's hard to kind of take that. And With all the great games that we have, to end it off with this nightmare of a game, you know, it's going to be a good week. And it's going to be a good week to make money, but I'm cautioning everybody out there. Be very careful. The books got a, they took an absolute beating. All the favorites and all the overs won. I expect that to reverse this week. Absolutely reverse this week. It's going to be a rough week for the public, in my opinion. All right, guys. That's going to do it for me. Go check us out at sportsgarden.com. You go check it out at any of our fine syndicated affiliates as well, and also SportsGarten, GRTEN, hashtag SGN, over on Twitter and Facebook. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe.